Welcome back to the Darting Through the Faith podcast. I'm Father Sean Wilson, and we just had a really awkward segue. <laughs> and this is Julia Monin. I don't think you'd, I wouldn't even call that a segue. Yeah. We just stopped the conversation <laughs> and rolled. I think I was mid sentence. I think I was like, you know yeah. what? I'm done. I think I looked at you, you looked at me, we're like, yeah, this is done. Yeah, There's nowhere else to go with this. There is nowhere else. Yeah. But we're here. Hopeless. And today's a special day in the studio. Do you want to tell everybody why today's a special day in the studio? I don't know why it's a special day <laughs> because we're recording two episodes today. Oh yeah. We've never done this before. Never this is the first before. one. So this one will probably be great. The second one you'll probably cancel or you'll probably unsubscribe. <laughs> so you will cancel your subscription, your yeah. membership to yeah. this podcast. Yes. So we'll but we're see. not a gym. We don't sell memberships. No, we do not. We do not. And we're not on Patreon, although I've heard of Patreon. I have too. Yeah. People can patronize and pay. Yeah. You know, you got member exclusive content. We don't have that. We have nothing. No, no. <laughs> we barely have any content. Would want to pay for. I can tell mm. you that right now. Yeah. Unless the blooper reel, we could put the blooper reel on there. Oh I would pay to see blooper reels. Yeah, I wonder if we could. You know, like a little fundraiser. If we mm. need like a new mic or something like that, mm -hmm. we yeah. can give Grace a mic. That would be actually really great. She's saying. Mm, She's saying no. She definitely should be my. I can up. tell deep down in her heart. Yeah. She wants to do this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways. Well, here we That's are. That's where we are. Two, two episodes today. In the first one, we are um, praying. Praying. Thank you. In the, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gift of your sacred scripture. We thank you for the church who's received this great gift and has shared it so wonderfully uh, throughout the world. We ask that you may be with Julie and I at this time and be with all of our podcast listeners, especially those who don't know you, especially in the scriptures, that they may come to know and love and serve you with all of their lives. We entrust us all through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So yes, we are beginning this first episode with scripture part three, which was where the dart landed. Yeah, we haven't so, done parts one or two yet. Stay tuned for yeah. parts one yeah. and parts two. It might be next week. It might be in like three months from now. Uh, or maybe longer. Who knows? Or maybe longer. But for now, we're starting in part three, which is paragraphs 120 to 133. And is this the, this might be the second earliest we've been in the, uh, in the uh, catechism. Because I think we're some, but basically we're at the very first part. So before you actually get into like the, I believe part, mm -hmm. In faith, it mm. actually starts with revelation. God reveals himself. And so this is the very last section of revelation mm -hmm. is this section on scripture before it gets into like humanity's response of faith. So mm -hmm. God reveals himself through scripture. That's where we are. And this is good stuff. Like this is good foundational nuts and bolts stuff about scripture. Right. Right. I mean, good stuff. Good stuff. Like nothing that's like last week, you know, I think I joked that the topic was a mystery to me. We were talking about the mystery ah, of something yeah. or other the mystery of the church. And it stretched your thinking a little bit. And, yeah. but this is like concrete foundational. We really need to understand this. It begins with the canon of scripture, simply telling us like what actually are the books in right. the approved right scripture, which you would think, Oh, that's pretty common sense. Mm. Yeah, not really. It's not. not really. And this is one of the beauties of the church, mm -hmm. right? Like that we need somebody to actually like, there's a community that these scriptures come from, right? Mm -hmm. They just don't fall to us in this book plops to us. And all we need is the scripture and that's enough. Mm -hmm. It's, it's foundational. It's important. It's a non-negotiable, mm -hmm. but who tells us what's inspired and what's not? Because you see this in the history channel, a lot, right? The gospel of Thomas, the gospel of Mary Magdalene. Why does the church hate it and doesn't mm -hmm. use it? 
And it, it, it kind of points the finger as like the church tried to hide this. Mm-hmm. No, the church said that's not inspired by God. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the gospel of Thomas, like this is ridiculous. At mm-hmm. the end of the gospel of Thomas, uh, Je- I think it's Thomas or maybe it's John says to Jesus, like, what about Mary Magdalene? Like what's going to happen to her? Is she going to be saved? And Jesus in the gospel of Thomas says, well, I'm going to turn her into a man and then she's able to be saved. It's like, no wonder the church said, yeah, this isn't scripture. I mean, there's some things that are like, okay, that sounds like Jesus, but this other stuff. And so the church has to say, nada. So yeah. have you ever, had you ever heard that before? No, that's oh, so I could tell it was crazy. new. This is great. Yeah. That's so crazy. Even I looked at Grace and her face was like, what? That yeah. doesn't sound like the Lord I know. Yeah. Well, and so and that can be so tricky too, like when we're discerning anything, because um, there's probably, and I've not read it or studied it, but there's probably some things in there that are truth and reality. And like, you can say, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That meshes with what the, with what everything is. But then you guys, you sneak these other things in and you're like, ah, right. And there's, there's one document it's called the proto evangelium of James. So okay. proto evangelium means like first gospel mm-hmm. of James. And there are things that we take like as tradition, mm-hmm. um, such as the only place we have the names of the blessed Virgin Mary's parents, Joachim and Anne come from this document. Mm. And we take that as pretty serious. Mm. The rest of the thing, it's like, ah, some of this is okay. Some of this, this isn't, Mm -hmm. but so it's, it's definitely, it's tradition. It's part of the tradition of the church, Mm -hmm. but it's not like canonical. Like this is absolutely scripture. So. Yeah. Oh, good to know. Okay. So good to know to walk in. So we're not blinded by this or swept away by all sorts of false teaching, which is what the Lord Jesus tells us, not in the gospel of Thomas, but elsewhere. Right. right. Um, So anyway, so this is where this starts out that it was by the apostolic tradition that the church discerned which writings are to be included in the list of the sacred books. The complete list is called the canon of scripture. It includes 46 books for the Old Testament, 45 if we count Jeremiah and Lamentations as one, and 27 for the new. Yeah. So that's it. And I, so that now we get, all right. I was I just going to so say so many thoughts he has going on. So much right he wants now. to say. So focus on what you want to say. I want to point this out. So B, I think, because I think this is important to know. This is what, 53? Do that math. 46 and 27. Yeah. Did I add that right? Because that would be no, embarrassing if I didn't. <laughs> Thank you. Weren't you weren't even close. I wasn't even close. So, <laughs> so this is important though because there are Bibles missing books, yeah. and you might innocently be holding one of them. So right. pay attention. And kind of what we talked about first mm-hmm. was extra books, mm-hmm. but then there are books that certain groups say that's not scripture mm-hmm. when the church says it is, and it has for a while. Mm-hmm. So I have in front of me. This is called Denzinger, and Heinrich Denzinger was Heinrich. Heinrich. I think it's Henry in German. Heinrich, that sounds right. Anyways, it has like all of the decrees that are authoritative in the mm-hmm. church from the very beginning uh, up until the current age. And there is one um, decree in the Synod of Rome in 382, which set down the canon of scripture the exact same way as we have it. Um, I could read all the books, but they're going to be the exact same in the mm-hmm. catechism. But it's just cool that in 382... They had to, you know, they had to say this in 382 because it was questioned. Anything that ever the church ever has to define, it's normally because it's questioned. So mm-hmm. Council of Trent, response to the Protestant Reformation, it sets down the canon of scripture yet again because it's being questioned. It also mm-hmm. sets down the seven sacraments again. And somebody says, well, the Council of Trent just invented it. No, the Council of Trent had to answer a question that had been asked, which the church had answered before, but it's another day and age. Now we have to just say it again. Mm-hmm. So... Right. So this is the canon. And so the books that aren't 
um, commonly thought to be in this in the scriptures are in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So we would call them this fancy name, the Deuterocanonical books. So mm-hmm. like the second canon, still part of the canon, but they're kind of like they were secondary. And they're all have their you like you could go into every book and just talk about it. But the um I, I was given a mnemonic device by one of my professors as to mm. remember which ones they are. Okay. And it was JT Webb and the two McCabe's doesn't that sound stupid? Yeah. But I never, never forget it. Mm. Judith Tobit, mm. Wisdom, Ecclesiasticus, sometimes called uh, Sirach, mm-hmm. and uh, Baruch, and then the two Maccabees, the two Ma- one and two Maccabees. So those are ones that are commonly left out yeah. of the canon. So right. to, to watch out to see if you have yeah. or missing if you, those. If you don't have the book of Tobit, or really any of these, but if you mm-hmm. don't have the book of Tobit, your Bible's just miss mm-hmm. a lot. That story, Tobit's great. Esther too, mm-hmm. you know, Baruch. Okay, mm-hmm. they're all great. The mm-hmm. Maccabean Wars. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So, so be warned. Yeah, so be warned. Pull Get your Bible. Bible. It's, I mean, it, it, Get a Catholic Bible. Mm-hmm. Catholic Bibles have that. Mm-hmm. We could go into why those people mm-hmm. don't think it. Basically, they were originally written in Greek. Are the oldest copies we have are in Greek, not mm-hmm. Hebrew. Martin Luther wanted to go back to the Hebrew. He couldn't find a copy of these in Hebrew. They were only the oldest copies were in Greek, and so he said they weren't scripture. Mm-hmm. That's a short version. That's a short version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Speaking of not short version, I feel like I just talked a lot. So uh, I actually am really enjoying it. So I, I'm just going to let you roll. Though I'll let you take a drink of coffee. That's um, an act of mercy towards me. Isn't that wait that like what is that corporate worker corporal work of mercy? Like you give somebody a drink, give drink to the thirsty. Yeah. So see, whenever that? you gave one of the a cup of water to those one of these little yeah. ones because they belong to me. Yeah. Or whenever you let your co-host or the host of the podcast take a sip of coffee, that's an act of mercy. Gosh, you're welcome. It's an act of necessity too. <laughs> We got two of these, Julia. So you're welcome. So, okay. So these first three, first paragraph, paragraph 120 lays out the canon, what we just talked about. Then we're going to move on the next one, two, three paragraphs talking about the Old Testament. Very generally too, Mm -hmm. just the Old Testament and super generalities that gets to different specific figures. Like I think we had that one time talking about Noah and the Mm -hmm. covenants of Abraham and Moses and Mm -hmm. such. Um, But this is just saying basically the gist of these three paragraphs is the Old Testament is important. Yes. And the first one just says it's indispensable part of sacred scripture and it's permanent. Like it's not all of a sudden for nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one. But then the second one is, um, is, is kind of cool because it talks about uh, that the, the economy of the Old Testament. So that's like how things happen in the Old Testament was deliberately so oriented that it should prepare for and declare in prophecy the coming of the Christ, the redeemer of all men. Um, they're imperfect or provisional, but it reveals and uses this phrase, the divine pedagogy. So Mm -hmm. like the way God teaches us is this slow and gradual way. Like it's not, he just doesn't throw everything at once, but he starts from Abraham and then he works his way and gathering more people and revealing more in Moses and David and the prophets. And Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's this God, God knows what he's doing, right? He takes it slow with Mm -hmm. the whole people, Mm -hmm. which is how he does with us personally. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. I have nothing to add besides mm-hmm, because you're yeah, it's just right on. Yeah, and I think we talked about before. I the, you mentioned this might be the not the quite the earliest we've been in yet, but second earliest. And I think that's where we talked about that the revelation of God and um, yeah, God revealing Himself slowly over the course of all salvation history, and He does that with us too, and He's still doing it. You know, with our day right. and age, slowly revealing to us, you know, who He is, the truths of who He is. Um, 
And he does that with yeah. us personally, mm-hmm. right? Like we mm-hmm. couldn't take it all at once. And no. he knows that like God yeah. is this like divine teacher that knows mm-hmm. exactly like when and where we're ready to receive mm-hmm. a new, a new insight into revelation or a new mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Can I, speaking of this, like I, this might be totally off tangent, but um, there was, I was having a conversation with somebody and they were talking about how, you know, they're going through a difficult time at the moment. I believe this particular person might've come from, um, might be a Catholic convert from like a very evangelical background, but talking about how like they're in this heavy time, they're really feeling the weight of the cross. And so we're talking about that. And I'm talking about the soul's journey and the cross and the beauty of suffering and redemptive suffering and tying this all in. And um, her comment to me was, man, I wish somebody would have told me that. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, it's a big part of... (laughs) Yeah. Of our salvation history, right? The suffering part. But sometimes we're quick to move beyond that. Or, you know, we're quick to move to the resurrection. Yeah. And we learn to get there without the cross. We'll put it that way. Yeah. And some were even slow to get to the cross. And we could go on, but there are certain sects of Christianity that preach, if you follow God, you'll be prosperous. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, when you follow the Lord's will, you take on the cross and follow him. So I, my point with bringing this up is like sometimes like we don't, sometimes we can't hear that right away. That's difficult to hear that right away and to go, well, why then? Yeah. If that's where this is leading to there, to there, then why am I jumping on board? Right. So I want any of that, uh which makes rational sense, but the Lord slowly grows. And you can read this. And when you're reading about the lives of the saints, you can read about how They've grown to understand the beauty of suffering, the merit in suffering, to where some of the greatest saints in our church's history even were asking for it, you you know, um, certainly graciously accepting it because they saw the beauty in it. But you don't start there, you know, right. usually. So, right. any hoosies. Okay, so then the Old Testament, then we go to a section on the New Testament. Well, there's probably one, that oh. last paragraph, the mm-hmm. 123. I think we should just touch sure. because... Uh, the church has oh. always vigorously opposed the idea of rejecting the Old Testament under a pretext that the new has rendered it void. Mm. And then it quotes Martianism, which was an, an early church heresy that basically said, like, the Old Testament God was mean. Let's throw out the Old Testament as God threw out uh, the Jewish people. And now this is this is it. So mm. basically, and there there's still like that tendency today mm. to say, like, that Old Testament God is mean, he's ruthless. And mm. uh, and so and to just kind of, let's just, I just read the new Testament. It's like, well, and it, it even gets like it, later we'll get to like the unity of the old new mm-hmm. Testament, but that's not good. Okay. Mm-hmm. The old Testament is still very valid and important. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and think about it in those terms of God slowly revealing himself to us over the course of salvation history. And that, that was a period of time where he was revealing that aspect, perhaps that, now we better understand. I mean, when you look at it with those stark contrasts, you know, you can look at it like God is love, God is mercy. And mm-hmm. it almost, it makes that more clear how abundant that is, right? Like, anyway, that's making sense in my head. I'm not sure it's making sense as I'm saying it out loud. But we have to remember when we look at that, the mean God of the Old Testament, I guess, that he's revealing himself to us very slowly over time. And it's all, as this section point out, pointing to Christ, right? right. Um, okay. Great. All right. So then we get to the New Testament. Yes. Um, paragraphs 124 through 127 are sections on the New Testament. Um, okay, they have they hand on the ultimate truth of God's revelation. Their central object is Jesus Christ, God's incarnate Son. His acts, teachings, 
passion and glorification and his church's beginnings under the Spirit's guidance. The Gospels, it continues in paragraph 125, are the heart of all Scripture because they are our principal source for the life and teaching of the incarnate Word our Savior. Um, if you're not read, yeah, if you've not read the Bible before and you're intimidated by it, which who wouldn't be? Yeah, right? it's a big book. Um, it's a big book, and and it's you can't just like pick it up and read it from start to finish. Like you, it's just not the way it's meant to be read, right? So if you're wanting or you're desiring to grow in your knowledge of the scriptures, then this is where we should start, probably. Gospels right? Start with the, the gospel. Start in the heart of it. Get to know the person of Christ, right? Which is who we come to know in the gospels. Yeah. And a lot of this pair, actually, this just a, a plug for the Second Vatican Council. A lot of the that's taken here is like direct quotes or references to De Verbum, which mm-hmm. is like Latin for the Word of God, which is the Second Vatican Council co- document on sacred scripture, which is a brilliant document. Mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, actually, Pope Benedict had a major role in writing the document mm-hmm. when he was just a young Father Joseph Ratzinger. Mm-hmm. I butchered the German. I don't know anything about German, but. Your husband does a great German impersonation. So I was trying to yeah, he, channel Tony. He can say, can I go to the bathroom? I know, but he <laughs> says it with such confidence. I know. He really fools a lot of people that he's saying something and it's all nonsense. So, uh, so anyways, if, if, if you want to know like something, mm-hmm. it's a great document. Mm-hmm. Um, one that's kind of like when people think what happened in Vatican II, they don't talk about this document, but it was major. Okay. So. So it distinguishes the next thing with these gospels is this three stages of the formation of the gospels. So the first one is the life and teaching of Jesus. So Jesus existed, right? He's not just like, he's not a myth like Beowulf or like um, you think like, um, oh shoot, what's his name? Oh, Don, or, um, in the Inferno, Dante's Inferno. Oh, Dante. I mm. guess Dante like mythologically walks through the Inferno or any of these other like, um, yeah, gosh, whole, the Odyssey. Right? Mm. I'm trying to think of all these ancient myths. You're doing myths. great. Yeah, they're not coming to mind. So he really existed. Mm-hmm. And that actually gets debated, right? Like, mm. did Jesus actually exist? Or is he just this compilation? Or is he this this figure that gets written about? And as Catholics, we believe and we know, it's not just that we believe, he mm. actually existed and really did and taught all of the things that the scriptures say. Okay, so that's the first stage of the formation of the Gospels. And then it goes into the oral tradition. For after the ascension of the Lord, the apostles handed on to their hearers what he had said and done. But with that fuller understanding, which they instructed by the glorious events of Christ and enlightened by the spirit of truth, now enjoyed. I found that very interesting because, of course, that's the reality that the Gospel writers, the Scripture writers— are writing after Jesus's ascension. Yeah. Right. But I never, I guess I always knew that, but of course they were writing with, with that new light. Right. right. So they're, they're not like writing as they're walking with him. Oh, Jesus did right. this today. That didn't make sense. But then in hindsight, when they write after he's ascended, like, yeah, that didn't make sense as he did that. But now it, now does, it does. Right. Um, and you hear that played out in the gospels a lot. Right. And you, you hear it in like St. Paul's writing, right? Mm-hmm. So St. Paul, St. Paul never physically, he was not one of the disciples that mm-hmm. follows Jesus. So he enters into this oral tradition stage. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of times, I think they're both in first Corinthians where St. Paul says, I handed on what I first received myself. And then one of them, he talks about the last supper and then he quotes uh, Jesus's words at the last supper. And it's one of the few times St. Paul actually quotes Jesus. I was like, that's pretty important. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's entering this oral tradition of, you could imagine the apostles like just telling these stories over and over of, of who Christ is. And then eventually it needs to get 
written down. And that's Mm -hmm. stage three that they actually get written down Mm -hmm. um, into the four gospels. Yeah. So, okay. So, but you know, I, I really, I, I really love the four gospels and not just like, Hey, they're great. They tell us about Jesus, but the study of them just mm-hmm. always fascinates me. And like the historical, cause this is a big thing. Like mm-hmm. Matthew didn't actually write the gospel according to Matthew scholars say that, or mm-hmm. Luke didn't write the gospel of Luke or who used who, right? There's mm-hmm. this, have you ever heard of the Q? So the Q source. So there's this whole thing that was real big in like German theology about Mm -hmm. Q. And I was sitting in on RCA class where somebody said this Q theory is Mm -hmm. actually Catholic doctrine to which I steam came out of my ears like a cartoon. So basically it's how to start punching heretics. Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) it could, it could happen this way. It's a theory. Mm -hmm. So basically it's who used who, Mm because when you look at the gospels, it's, there's this, um, there seems to be like they were using each other. Like it seems like one of them had the other as they're writing and they like, they make some, they make, they have their own take. Like you think St. Luke knew Matthew's gospel. It seems like, Mm -hmm. and then, but he's, he's adding things. Whereas like Mark's gospel has the fewest number of like pericopes, they call them like Mm -hmm. stories about Jesus, but they're in the most detail. Like they're the most vivid ones. Uh, like just some of the details that Mark has come alive. Like the sto- just read the story of the them lowering the guy into the into the room. You know the four mm-hmm. friends and stuff, and it's so much more vivid in Mark's gospel. So scholars, some scholars say, well, that means Mark just kind of trimmed it for brevity. Some of the stories, and so it's like, how do all of these relate? It's mm-hmm. really kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to go on and on. I, I got we got to move on. I <laughs> Point could, being, he loves them, and not just because they. Yeah, that was your point, right? And yeah. Not just because Jesus is in them, and but because like the study of them and right. Yeah. But in in recent days, like recent years, decades, mm-hmm. it seems that the more they're studied, the more the way the ancient church understood them as like this actually coming from Matthew is is really the most plausible, um, the most po- plausible whatever uh, theory, which is mm-hmm. which is really cool because for a mm-hmm. while it's like Luke didn't actually write this or John didn't actually write this. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's really like if you don't know mm-hmm. and somebody knows just enough to be dangerous, they can really harm somebody's faith to say like, well, it was just John's community and they remembered all these things and they made it sound like John so that it's more authoritarian. Mm-hmm. Like if you say it's from John, which point counterpoint, why would you put Mark's name on any of them? Like, Mark barely shows up in the Acts of the Apostles. You're just going to name some. Put Thomas, right? The Gospel of Thomas. If you're going to lie about it, put <laughs> Thomas's name because he's in this Gospels all the time, right? You're going to lie about it. Make it a better lie. Yeah, that's mm. right. Which is why, like, Mark, that's not a lie. Mm. So, anyways. I love that. Yeah. That's passion coming out of you. It's well, oozing out. I love I, it. I, I love it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, then... Did you get the Therese quote? I was I just going, going there. I was just going there because St. Therese is quoted in here. So how can we not talk oh about gosh. her feast days this week? It is this week. Yeah. It's coming up. We're in the heart of a novena right now. I mean, I don't know about you, but I am. And she's the bomb.com, but she's quoted in here about her love of scripture. Speaking of which, when you like get to know like a saint through like their writings, you're actually reading their writings. It's almost like, you get, you get to understand their voice. And so mm. I'm reading this quote. I'm like, Ooh, I know who this is. It like was raising my heart. I'm like, this is like, I couldn't recognize where the quote was coming from, but I'm like, this sounds like a voice I know. 
And so when I jumped to the bottom and saw, I'm like, oh, of course it's a voice. I know it's my sister. So anyway, St. Therese is quoted in here by saying, but above all, it's the gospels that occupy my mind when I'm at prayer. My poor soul has so many needs, and yet this is the one thing needful. I'm always finding fresh lights there, hidden and enthralling meanings. Therese is quoted as saying like, she was overwhelmed by all of these, this spiritual reading because it was all so beautiful and she just got overwhelmed. She couldn't keep up with it. One, one prayer is as beautiful as the next prayer. And she just got overwhelmed with all of the spiritual reading, which I've been there. I don't know if you've been there. Like you just buy one book after the next, after the next, all of a sudden you're like way behind in this reading. Right. And she just got so overwhelmed with it. And eventually the Lord had stripped most of that from her and just focused on reading the gospel. She also had a deep love for the imitation of Christ. Um, but primarily that was her reading. Yeah. Anyway. All right. And so then the next section, what? What's I so love funny? it. I love it. I, well, cause it was smart of you to go on. Cause I could keep talking to Therese. I know <laughs> this is not See, a podcast about <laughs> Therese, but you have to learn to do the same thing with me, right? Like if I start going, you're going to have to say, Oh, Padre, we got to go back. Oh, Padre. Oh, okay. Okay. Sounds good. All Padre. Right. Great. <laughs> okay, moving on. So now we go into the unity of the Old and New Testaments. Mm. Something we refer to as typology. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Do tell. Yeah. So typology is basically like there in the Old Testament, there are types that are fulfilled in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Maybe a great example is the Paschal Lamb, right? The Lamb in the Exodus that's slaughtered, that the door, that the blood is over the doorposts, is just like Christ, who's who's killed, whose blood is who pours out of him. And then, like the Paschal Lamb has to be consumed. Then, of course, Christ's flesh has to be consumed in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So it's this unity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Even something like Noah's Ark and an image of the Church. So and there's just like there's thousands of I don't know, thousands. I'm sure there are. Let's say thousands. Sure. Nobody's going to count them, are they? Well, I don't know. Okay. But they're they're there and they're beautiful. Like when you first start, the Lord opens your eyes to all of that. You're like, you're in awe, I think, of the Lord, right? Revealing this so many years ago through um, the Old Testament and then, and then, yeah, you see it fulfilled in the new, like Mary as being the Ark of the Covenant, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, it'll put you in awe of God, which I think perhaps it's meant to do. <laughs> right. And then 129, maybe this last, the last line there, the New Testament lies hidden in the old and the Old Testament is unveiled in the new. Mm-hmm. So it's this connection between the two, mm-hmm. the two um, Old and New Testaments. But there's a little word of caution in that paragraph also where it says um, the, let's see. But it must not make us forget that the Old Testament retains its own intrinsic value as revelation reaffirmed by the Lord himself. Sometimes when we get really wrapped up in typology, when we, you know, the connection between the old and new, sometimes we forget that the Old Testament has value in and of itself, even apart from the New Testament. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's things, it's more than just prepare us for Christ. That's huge. It's important, Mm -hmm. but there's some, just some good stuff in there on its own. So good. Yeah. Okay, typology indicates the dynamic movement toward the fulfillment of the divine plan when God will be everything to everyone. Mm, that is dynamic. That's the dream. Yeah. That makes my heart sore. God will be everything to everyone. Okay, mm. that, that's good stuff. Let us all go there. Okay, and then this closes 131 through 133, sacred scripture in the life of the church. Yeah. It's, it's important. important. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we just summarized. Grace is going to have to work on our volume on that. I, I can already tell yeah, we got loud. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it is important. Right. So it access to sacred scripture ought to be open wide to the Christian faithful. So there should be access to sacred scripture so that, you know, maybe one of the things just to say, there, there are people that spend a lot of their lives translating sacred scripture and commenting on it and putting together these Bibles. Mm-hmm. So they should receive just compensation for what they do, mm-hmm. but they shouldn't become millionaires over it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so their access to the faithful doesn't mean you have to, you know, you have to be a rich man to get a Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that shouldn't be the case, but people should have access to it. Granted, you got to pay because somebody spent a whole lot of time to do it and mm-hmm. you know, they get kids to feed or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. So so access. That's a weird tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so it is important to have that. I think that too, I think a lot of times um, uh, Catholics maybe take that, you know, I don't know, I'm Catholic. I don't read the Bible right. type of thing. So we kind of have, maybe we're not great at that. Or And maybe there was even a time in our church's history where maybe it was discouraged to read because there is a danger to that yeah. of, of interpreting things wrong. And so there's a danger and you want to protect people from doing that, from interpreting things the wrong way to try to create or to try to eliminate factions and divisions and things like that. Um, but yeah, the Lord lets us fail every day. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, and there were, there were, there was strong reactions against the Protestant reformation, which, mm-hmm. you know, said everything has to be based on scripture and the church strongly reacted in the opposite to say, well, no, you got to know your catechism and, mm-hmm. and all of those sorts of things, which of course is important to know, mm-hmm. to know our catechism, the basics of our faith. Mm-hmm. But maybe at one time and in certain places, it was a overreaction to something that, you know, maybe the church did lose a little bit side of scripture and Martin Luther said something that like, we got to refocus here Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he's onto something, but granted, you know, things went a little too far. Yeah. So, right. So it's time, it's time for us as Catholics, I guess, is my point to pick our Bibles back up again, to make sure we have Catholic Bibles. Like we talked about at the beginning, make sure all the books are in there and, and to start diving into that again. And again, if it's something that intimidates you begin with the gospels, begin with getting to know our Lord Jesus. Um, This ends, this section ends paragraph 133. With Jerome. With St. Jerome, right. How can we not end with this quote? The church forcefully and specifically exhorts all the Christian faithful to learn the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ by frequent reading of the divine scriptures. St. Jerome, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. Speaking of feast days coming up, St. Jerome's feast days on Wednesday, September 30th. Nice. Yeah, read your Bible. Oh, people aren't going to listen to this beforehand. But St. Jerome mm-hmm. is the patron saint of all scripture scholars. He did translations uh, from Hebrew and Greek into Latin, which was the standard Bible for centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a great, a great lover of sacred scripture, our St. Jerome. Mm-hmm. And he's right. Ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. If mm-hmm. we think we know God, but we've never cracked open a Bible, especially the Gospels. Mm-hmm. We really don't know him. Mm-hmm. We might know the Christ that we've imagined, mm-hmm. um, but it's probably not the right, you know, it's probably our imagination. Mm-hmm. So crack open that Bible. Crack it open That's right. and study. And there's so many great and get Catholic to know, Bible studies yeah. now too that you can get involved with too. So. Right. Any final thoughts? I don't know. I, I mean, that's a great one to end on. There's yeah. so much you could say, but that's only one of the three parts of scripture that we're going to be on. So it's we'll good be stuff. Back. We'll be back. We'll be back. And yeah, and it's, it's at the heart of all we're doing. So it's all good. So normally we would remove the dart, throw the dart, but because we knew ahead of time that we were probably going to record two episodes today. Right. Next time <laughs> you will be going yes. to 
430 through 451, which is about different names, I guess we could say, Mm -hmm. titles of our Lord, which Mm -hmm. would be Jesus Christ, Lord, and Son. Son. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So So that'll be next week. And in case you're wondering, I threw the dart. It was off camera. she did. But it's in my official contract. Not to throw it on camera, but mm. you know, we were off camera, so I threw it. Yeah. Anyway. It'll be on the blooper reel. <laughs> <laughs> Probably will be. Okay. So that's where we're heading. So close in prayer. Go for it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your word and scripture. We thank you for the church who has so beautifully handed on all of this to us. We ask that you inspire us and guide us as we as we discern and as we earnestly strive to get to know you better, be our minds, our ears, our mouths, and our hearts, and lead us to the depths of your love. For you are Lord forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.